You know how when everybody's done working on this side of the games industry, they go work on the other sides of the game industry. Have y'all already figured out what sort of cushy position you're thinking about <laughs> landing in? Because I've been talking to some folks about Fortnite too, and uh-huh. it's looking very promising. They want me to design some of the new dances. And I said, I don't know if I'm ready to give up my credibility yet. Because once I do that, there is no going back. I have, I have not ruled out coming back to Polygon or Kotaku or IGN or Yu-Gi-Oh! Are you, are or whatever you, is around. Are going to show us some of those dances? I mean, do you need to, do you need to see some of them? So this, yeah. is called, this is called the new flossing. And you have to do that on your hands? That seems like it's going to cut out a lot of people. Um, yeah, no, it's going to hurt. It hurts really bad every time you do it, but it's funny when you see the video game guys doing it in Fortnite too. Mm, I like that. Do you have another one? Uh, yeah, sure. This one is called uh, Backpack Kid, which I think is just flossing again. <laughs> so what did you think of that one? I, I like that one, but do you have to use a towel? You need the towel, and it's a special item you find in Fortnite too that helps you wipe away the blood. You have I, did, I had a dance in Dance yeah. Central 3. There's a move called The Time Belt that's based on a low-budget children's oh educational gosh. sci-fi movie that I starred in. Yeah. It's called uh-huh. The Time Belt. It's in Dance Central 3. So I've already kind of got my foot in the, the cushy. Did you get a yeah. vig for that? What? Did you get like a percentage? Yeah, what'd life? you get off, off the top? Yeah, what'd you get? What kind of juice? They actually let me make Fuser, which I thought was oh, nice. Oh, cool. That <laughs> yeah, was sick, they man. They let me pick all the tracks and like, Come make it myself. It's not a big deal. Nice work. good game. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. You notice how Chris and Russ aren't answering because they don't want to incriminate themselves. That's true. Yeah. They're already playing both sides. <laughs> Russ is Russ is <laughs> Russ is the Dovahkiin. He just want to admit it. Russ, admit you're the Dovahkiin. <sighs> Fine. Russ, Russ, stick. Russ, Russ, stick. It's Russ, Russ, stick. Dovahkiin is Russ, Russ, stick. My voice is my instrument, so I really can't stress it, but. When needed. Give me one foost. Give us just, you, you don't me, even have to do the whole thing. You give me just the foost. I don't need Rona. Just foost. Just foost. Okay, let me. You got it. Foost? <laughs> the, the, the listener can't see it, but it looked like he was going to let out the stinkiest burp right yeah. before that came. It was good. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. No, wait, let me do mine again. My name okay. is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the future. <laughs> I, I, I also revised my statement. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I, I no, I, I still know the best game of this week, because that's when I played it, dogs. Okay, yeah, fair. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to yell anymore. Wow. Got to preserve wow. the instrument. But I am going to say this with confidence. I know the best game of the week. Who are you? Sorry. What's your you? name? What's your I name? I don't know you. You didn't say it. My name is you Ross. I'm not going to yell anymore. Okay. You can still say your you name. You can still though. say your name. Oh, yeah. Not loud, yeah. Wait, let me, let me do it again. I, I, I've got I wrote like, the book on podcasting, so you yeah. got to say your me, name at the beginning. Sure, sure. Yes. My name is Russ Frostick, and I know the best game of the week. Confidence. It's a new huh. era for Russ. No more yelling. The beard looking good still. Beard, I think we can all agree on that. Twitter agreed. Beard looking good. And uh, we're going to talk about the future of video gaming 
because it's today. The future begins today with some early access gems uh, that we've been uh, checking out to see, you know, what to, what, what what the future of gaming is going to look like. Now, of course, those lines are becoming increasingly blurry as early access games just sort of sneak into full release. But hey, there's never a bad time to talk about video games. And I did say bad instead of bad, but <laughs> that's life, I guess. Welcome uh, to the Besties. We uh, The four of us, no matter what our names are, we'd like to welcome you to the Besties. The best of friends, the best of games. Uh, where we're going to be talking about the the early access. I'm a pro. I protest this. I do not what? like this new tagline. This is a. I will always be here on the outskirts, a fucking rebel without a cause, just shouting from the rooftops. This is still a video game book club for video games. Oh no, Russ, y'all can't. No, you, you said it was a video say. game club. This is a week. video game club. <laughs> <laughs> This is a voice-only video game club. (laughs) We ran our membership cards out of fruit strut wrappers. Um, (laughs) So we're talking about early access games this week as an early access special. Are are all of our games on Steam early access or are any of them not like on other platforms? I think they're all on Steam early access. Yeah. Okay. That is is where you need to go. And you know what? They're... They're work in progress, but I think in the case of all of these, unlike some other early access games, these are actually games. You could buy them and not feel bad. The last time we talked about an early access game, I believe, was Rogue Legacy 2. Yeah. Which I would actually be kind of curious to dip back into, but it only had sort of one area to explore and and felt pretty early access, uh, if if, if you ask me. But uh, yeah, I don't know about y'all, but my game felt pretty, pretty, pretty good, pretty beefy. Who wants to start? Uh, Griffin, you can start. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, my game uh, is uh, on Steam. It is uh, overwhelmingly positive reviews there. Uh, it's called Ender Lilies, Quietest of the Nights, which that is... is a bad start. <laughs> it's not great. It is a Metroidvania that... Oh. Yeah, it kind of has a Hollow Knight-like vibe, um, mm. although... And I keep like expecting this, I feel like from from games like this that come out now, it doesn't necessarily have that sort of dark soulsy risk reward loop of, you know, if you die, you drop your shit and then you have to get back to it before before it disappears. Um, I don't know. I, I think I just keep expecting that because I feel like every Metroidvania that comes out now has to have that. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking of Hollow Knight and like Salt and Sanctuary and stuff like that. But this is a more, I would say, traditional Metroidvania game. You play a a, a priestess named Lily who explores this world that has been destroyed by blight. And this world and, and, and the whole game is just gorgeous. It looks like a, um, this may be reductive, but I also feel like it's huge praise. It looks like a Vanillaware game. Like everything okay. is is illustrated and gorgeous. Um, the the music is amazing. I forget the music is from like a, a known composer. I'll I'll try to look it up and figure out who that is uh, before the end of this episode. It, the the production value is just like out of this world. The animation of like these gorgeous illustrated characters is is out of control. In, in um, terms of like se- like is it like futuristic? Is it like fantasy setting? It, it's gothic. It's a goth dark okay. gothic setting where this uh, blight rain has you know destroyed the world and turned everything into like these grotesque monsters uh so in that sense it feels it feels kind of soulsy and does it have like a 
like a hook to set it apart or is it just like really just good uh it's just really good uh yeah. that the they do a really good job of kind of building out the lore of of the world through like little journals that you pick up but every time that you defeat a boss the bosses are like former like friends of yours they're like mm. former protectors of the church or former like guardians of you know these these priestesses and so whenever you defeat them and you you purify them uh you get like a really gorgeous cutscene that shows like their sacrifice for you so it's one of those it's one of those feels games but it is it handles kind of unlocks and progression in a way that I'm just kind of wild about. Kind of like in the more recent Castlevania games, like after Aria of Sorrow and uh, what, Dawn of Souls and uh, Bloodstained, you collect these these creatures and turn them into powers for yourself. So you have a sweep oh, cool. of... Yeah, so Lily is like kind of def like defenseless. Lily does none of the fighting. You can equip three of these spirits at a time, and these spirits are like former, you know, they're dead people. They are yeah. blighted souls. Uh, and so the first one you have is like this knight who used to defend you. That's just a basic sword attack. Um, but then as you go on, like, you purify these these blighted souls and turn them into... Uh, this is this is a character with a mace that just, they swing around, and this is like a magical attack. Um, and... The effect is really cool because, you know, you can bind them to X, Y, and B. So you create basically a mm. palette of three spirits that go along with you. Uh, and whenever you press like X to attack, this ghost with a sword appears in front of you and attacks with it. Like you don't do anything. Yeah, and that like dope. visual effect is really, really, really dope. There's some really nice hooks and like there are resources you collect that you can then upgrade those spirits to make them a little bit more potent. And... Yeah, there are artifacts that you can find to, like, give yourself little boosts that you can equip, kind of like the, what, the badges system or whatever they're called in, in Hollow Knight. I'm a, I am a, I feel like a harsh critic of, like, RPG mechanics in games like this, and I feel like this this game has a actually really compelling, a, a really compelling sort of hook there. Do, um, do you have a sense of, like, how close it is to being... Quote I believe what I've read is that uh, I think I'm nearly finished with what is there. There are three like big areas uh, mm -hmm. to explore out of, I believe, what will be eight uh, totally. Wow. But so um, still a ways to go. Yeah, I, I, I find myself with early access games like once I've played enough to kind of understand like what it is they're going for. I am I, I usually want to stop yeah. so that I don't you know spoil myself or anything like that for when the full game comes out and i hit that point with ender lilies like after i explored the first big area and defeated the first boss uh but i keep coming back to it and playing it just because like i don't know it feels really good and it looks really really good and these rpg mechanics are really tight and i i i get the impression I get the feeling uh, of what it must have felt like to play like early Hollow Knight, like before it it hit 1.0 or, um, you know, cave story. Like I, I feel pretty confident that once this is like fully out there, it is going to be a another kind of uh, defining game of, of the genre. Like that is that is how good a first impression it makes. Um, awesome. So, yeah, it's 20 bucks, which is, you know a uh kind of a steep asking price i guess for a uh a early access game like this but it is polished and smart and great in a way that i was not really expecting um, cool yeah um i'll i'll go next 
Okay. Uh, a good segue because my game is also $20 on Steam. It is called Teardown. You might have seen it on the Twitch channels uh, because a, very, a variety of other uh, streamer folks have been playing it. Uh, but the gist of Teardown is that you are dropped into these like medium-sized environments uh, like a marina or like a uh, construction site, stuff like that. And each of these maps uses... Uh, it kind of looks like Minecraft, but like a more high high resolution Minecraft, uh, I guess, uh, more detailed. The box, the like cubes are much, much smaller, so you can like make out more detail. But broadly Box. speaking, it's not realistic. It's just a bunch of cubes. It's a cool effect. Like there are voxels all over, but then there's like hyper realistic water effects. It's like yeah. a fusion of it's it's not like Minecraft where everything is, you know, a block. Right, exactly. So so there is that element. But the real hook of the game, and I really don't think that I've played anything like this in a very long time, it is the best destruction game that I've played since Red Faction Guerrilla, which I absolutely loved. Red Faction Guerrilla, you went to Mars and you just like knocked down giant towers and it was super, super fun. And the spirit of this game is entirely about destruction. Uh, every single block can be destroyed you can knock entire buildings down. You can, uh, you know, break holes in walls. You can drive cars into buildings. You can do all sorts of, like, crazy stuff like that. And that's cool. Like, if you just wanted a sandbox to, like, fuck shit up, like, that's a pretty good sandbox. But what's really cool is that they actually found a way to make that into an actual game. So while you are introduced to it and you can just fuck around, slowly but surely they turn it into a heist game where there are multiple items across the map, and the second that you steal one, a timer starts, and you've got 60 seconds to grab all the other ones and then escape. And so what you do is slowly well, but surely... The least heist game ever created, too, which I think is like yeah. worth emphasizing, which I think is kind of brilliant about it, is they, they, they don't try to make sense of the fact that you are... This is not Ocean's Eleven. This is no. like you just being an absolute terror for... 60 seconds yeah and and there's no like enemies to worry about there's no real stealth to worry about all you're worrying about is making the most direct line from you stealing the first thing to stealing everything else and then escaping so it allows for a lot of freedom in terms of uh, problem solving in one situation there was like a boat and on the boat was like the thing i needed to steal so i could just like take the boat instead of taking the thing and then drive it right next to the exit so that when I steal the other things, oh, I know, oh, that boat is right there. Okay. Um, you can do more complicated stuff like that where I was driving a crane and I would essentially like lift a safe to move the crane in the air right above where I was going to drop it down to exit the level. And again, like that requires no time at all, but thinking outside of the box and saying, okay, I can use this crane to crush this rooftop, grab the safe, pull it back out and not have the timer start is like a big part of the strategy. And um, I'm like constantly kind of blown away of how, at how many ways you can approach a level with yeah. uh, various tools and, and gadgets that you acquire as you progress through the game. I, I love this game. I hope that they make the controls a little more merciful. Um, yeah. in the future. That was my that, struggle, that too. Was, yeah, especially, like, uh, there would be times where it's like, I had I had the cool idea, like, there was a big vault in the second floor of a building, and mm. I was going to take the safe out of the second floor and drop it into the bed of a truck. 
So I get the truck and I back it up. But in doing that, it's like kind of hard to drive and I break the truck a little bit. And then I push the thing out the window and there is no like really easy way to get it in the truck. And I felt like I felt like I, I the, the version of this game that I want is one in which I have the ideas and then I can achieve them. Not I have the ideas and now I have to kind of try it 15 or 20 times for it to kind of work out the way I want it to, um, which is tricky because to have the entire world and everything be destructible. Mm hmm. Everything is is very delicate, like everything. Is. Yeah. Um, so I I often found that my plans were undermined because I I basically I wasn't save scumming enough. Right. Like, mm. Yeah. I had an instance with the crane where my first attempt at it, I grabbed the safe, I started backing out the crane, and the crane ran directly into a giant bushy tree. And so all the voxels from the tree fell around the crane and it made my exit much harder. <laughs> so then I reloaded my save, knocked the tree out of the way, used the crane to move the tree so that it wasn't blocking my way. And then I had a clear exit. I think that like I get a lot of satisfaction out of like min maxing a run like that and like working through all the like little things that go wrong. But I realized that some people might want a uh, more also, immediate Kind of the smallest of complaints in the grand scheme of things. This is one of the most inventive games I've played <laughs> other yeah. than like Shipbreaker is right alongside this. Yeah. Of stuff that just really stands out. Uh, and it's the type of thing I love seeing in early access because just just one level of it is so unusual and different from everything else on Steam that I can play it over and over and over again. Yeah, it's kind of infinitely expandable, too. I, I'm really excited to see what they add to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will jump into my thing. Uh, Y'all. Okay, here it is. Ready? You're playing Destiny 2. And you know, like, when you're, like, zipping to a planet in your, in your cool spaceship, mm. but then you, like, yeah. land in the planet? What if you just never landed? The <laughs> so video just game. just a loading screen for you've, the whole game? You've chosen. <laughs> yeah, game. that sounds, like, terrible. No, <laughs> what, if, what if you, so, what if you got control and then you started, like, shooting stuff right oh. chris you understand that there have there have there been video games where you control the spaceship before <laughs> oh that you could have gosh no so okay so let me frame it again what if it was de destiny in space no what if okay what if you're <laughs> a spaceship but also <laughs> destiny how about that is that closer no no Here's i kind of get, I get, I get what you're, you're saying you're it's a like spaceship. a spaceship but you're an it's rpg imagine spaceship. a space combat game right and right. this is, again, Everspace 2, you are zipping around and it feels just super good. Moment to moment feel, similar to shooting in Destiny, just feels great. You can zip around in every direction. It feels very arcade driven. But then there's colorful loot that you can add on and effectively special powers <laughs> like shooting lightning whenever you want or just going ultra fast. Um it, it, it's destiny. It, it is like the core loop of destiny, but now you're in a spaceship, and it looks like that spaceship loading sequence. Does that? Did you say? Did you say now? the name of the game yet? I've said it like three times. Ever, Ever Space Two. It's okay. a sequel to Ever Space One. Yeah, literally. sure. <laughs> Ever Space, if you played it, was more like a like a roguelike type of space game. It was very mm -hmm. cool. This one, they have more money. I would assume. So they're trying to make uh, a campaign, which I'm mixed on as somebody who liked the original because the original has a really good feel. I think a campaign will expand the audience for sure. Um, but the writing, and I don't know if this is on purpose or not, 
is has major PS2 vibes. Ooh. Like the story is like <laughs> it, it's a lot of uh, the cutscenes are. I, I don't know if this is temporary or not, but like static images, like motion comics, and it's like. Who are you? Ah, uh, I'm another guy who's in space. I also was a prisoner. Are you on my side? Well, yes. I won't turn on you. Like, it's just mm. very rigid. I'm, I know I'm being unfair. There is more to it than that. But I, um, I usually don't skip cutscenes. And after, like, a couple hours of this, I was just like, please, mercifully, let me get back to the shooting. Um, that's the fun part. Can you uh, skip the cutscenes? I, I started to after that. Okay, like, well, like, at least you can. You can, yeah. Um, that said, like, who knows? It does feel like it could be placeholder to some degree. Um, and maybe there's, like, a version of this that it is intentional. I really couldn't tell. Like, I How really... brutal would that be if you're the voice actor listening to this? It's like, man, no, it could no, be... <laughs> I, I, and honestly, the voice acting itself isn't even that bad. It's just, like... Yeah, is, it, is that a decision, stick. though? Is it, like... I, I think it, it could be... It has the whole game has like a, a spaceman like, spiff thing. Yeah, yeah. kind of like a throwback energy, and I think it might be one of those things that as they polish it, that'll become more. The intentionality will be there, um, but right now it it is the thing that feels early access about this game. The actual gameplay, the look and feel, and the moment to moment stuff feels like it, it's finished, and they're mm-hmm. selling it for thirty nine ninety nine on Steam. So Whoa. it might as well be Ooh. finished. Wow, there, there's still some more to go. Um, but if you are like craving, I, as somebody who like grew up with Descent, that kind of like 360 space combat vibe, mm. um, but now in like more open areas, or if you like Star Wars Squadrons, but want something even more arcadey, I super recommend this. It's a gorgeous looking game. Um, it's incredibly addictive. Uh, and the cutscenes are skippable. If, if, Skippable. if you must. Skippable. <laughs> uh, Justin, what have you been playing? Well, my friend, I have taken uh, a trip back down underneath the beautiful briny sea in Subnautica below zero. I'm not going to go too deep into what Subnautica was, uh, mainly because we talked about it extensively. And also, this is very much an evolution of that original game, which came out in 2018. Much like that one, you are dropped in a, a escape pod in the middle of the sea with a fabricator, uh, which is like you know your workbench, if you will, and some storage, and uh, some your human lungs, <laughs> and uh, the best of intentions, and that's how you begin the game. And basically, it is uh, much like its predecessor. Uh, begins as a game about trying to become a more competent explorer i think more than a a lot of these games the real joy of subnautica and subnautica below zero is um exploring and discovering new locations and and finding weird things in the world and this is uh, a whole new world like that to explore as the name suggests uh ice is and temperature is a is a much bigger consideration here in much the same way that your oxygen has to be managed when you're exploring the underwater parts, your temperature has to be managed when you're ab- above the sea. Oh, so, so there's a, there's a, like a lot more outside of the sea stuff in this? Yeah, so you're like outside the sea and you have to find uh, ways to keep warm. There are like, for example, 
thermal plants that generate heat that you can like huddle near while you warm up and try to get to the next area before you freeze to death. What do you do Um, with your flippers? Walk badly. I've tried walking. Yeah. You have to walk backwards is the, is the secret. Um, There's a, so there's some, some online stuff that is cool. There are, I'm about four hours in and I'm still sort of like getting towards the story, but I will say that like, uh, if you didn't get super deep into Subnautica, there is, like in most sci-fi, a progenitor alien race uh, architects. Uh, they actually specifically call them here, and and um, there is an architect that is an actual character in this game who sort of has a relationship with you, uh, and more of their technology is part of the ecosystem. Um, so you're like finding alien tech and alien power sources and integrating that into your your own tools. Um, when, when I played the first Subnautica, like one of the things that I found gave me a lot more enjoyment was to turn off stuff like hunger. Uh, I left like oxygen on, but there were options to like turn off some of the management stuff. Is that still in it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from the beginning, actually, it gives you the option of like, do you want to play survival or do you want to play, like I think they call it story. Yeah, fun um, mode. Yeah, uh, enjoyable mode. Honestly, like I'm not gonna. I don't want to catch. I don't. I have to eat in real life. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> swim around and grab fish and then take them back to and eat just cram raw fish to my helmet. No, thank you. Um, so yeah, I turn that stuff off, which is weird because like, here's what I will say that you can turn that stuff off, and I'm, I'm sure it was the, the same way in the predecessor. But those like chunks of gameplay are still in there. Mm. So like, you're still like encountering a lot of um food and drinks that you have no use for i have like outside my ship this big pile (laughs) of water bottles and food bricks just like i don't know maybe i'll find something to do with them eventually but right now they're just littering (laughs) the ocean um i will say um i have struggled with the progression loop of subnautica especially by the time i played it was very uh well honed you you know you were constantly being led to the next little thing mm-hmm. you had some idea of what you're trying to get to i've struggled in subnautica which has been out i mean it's been playable for i think a couple of years at this point i think february 2019 is when it first sort of peaked its head out uh on, on into availability but i struggled a little bit more with kind of knowing like what to do and where to go next for example like knowing that I need to find the ingredients for a high capacity oxygen tank and having no real idea of like where to start with that. Um, And and you can actually get a mineral detector, which helps a little bit, which can kind of like point you towards uh, the minerals that you need and stuff like that. But there was, there would be big chunks where I'm like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing now. I mean, that doesn't, if you're just interested in exploration, um, you know, that definitely, you can still do that. And there's all kinds of cool stuff to discover. But a couple of like bigger story things, there were, you're really being led by beacons a lot in the last one. Yeah. You'd get like um, an alert that like this thing out here is happening. You should go check it out. And I'm not getting hardly any of those at this point. I The two big sort of story, story things that I found, I have just sort of stumbled on while swimming around, um, which is cool and organic, but uh, can feel a little directionless if you want to if you have a half hour and get in and want like a solid experience. But um, if you like Subnautica, if you got into that at all, you you will dig this. I think it's one of the best. Um, you don't see them quite as much anymore, but like in terms of like blending survival with like 
um, a, a, a pretty affecting like core gameplay loop. And the, um, and the narrative of the first one I thought was terrific. I really was not expecting much from a survival game, but it actually goes in really interesting places. And this one is fully voiced now, mm-hmm. which is a recent oh, development cool. for the expansion. Um, it, and uh, the voice performer for the main character, uh, her name's Robin, is is very good. Um, and uh, so I, I have been enjoying it. And there's been some wild stuff. It's still really, and it's still really scary, like to be swimming and have this sense of like, oh my god, this area is so big. Yeah. My visibility is very limited. I'm running low on oxygen. My pockets are loaded with stuff I'll lose if I die. And what is that noise? <laughs> I hear it. Like there is a terrifying, terrifying thing in my proximity somewhere. Uh, so still very scary, even if you're not, you know, uh, worried about water and food. But very cool. Subnautica Below Zero. I'm, I'm highly enjoying it. Can you take us to the uh, bridge, though? Of yeah, the, pod- the bridge I- of the podcast. Yeah, uh, we're going to take a quick break, um, and you may hear ads, you may not. I don't know, I'm not a soothsayer. But we will come back and uh, sing. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details. And all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, 
Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos. You can do whatever you want. And it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames. And they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. So welcome back, everyone. Um wanted to say how much we appreciate all of the new reviews that y'all have been leaving on the uh, Apple podcast app uh, in in favor of this podcast, the besties. And we've been thinking of uh, ways to sort of shout some of them out. And Rachel, our fantastic editor suggested that we sing a review to the tune of a classic video game theme song. And plant has honorably put himself forth as the person to do that i can't wait plant was so so stoked plant was like don't worry i got this i know the song now i'm worried let's hear it let's well and we should preface by saying we're not gonna he's not gonna tell us what the theme is we're gonna have to guess gonna guess it okay near automata damn it (laughs) okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do a different one (laughs) should i tell you this is from ness mcgee uh, thank you, Ness McGee. It's a five-star review. Uh, and if you're going to leave a review, make it five stars. Yeah, we're not going to sing a one-star review. Yeah, here we go. <clears throat> Love. <laughs> <laughs> good start, good start. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. Love this podcast and the light mix of humor and genuine interest and well-rounded takes. I'm always amazed by how much time they find to research and play games each week. They never seem to phone it in. Also, appreciate that they each have individual taste and don't agree all the time. Wow. That was, it was fantastic, Chris. You really did a good job because it wasn't quite the Super Mario Brothers theme song, but it was exactly the Super Mario Brothers Super Show theme song. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Swing your hips from side to side. side side. (laughs) Come on, it's time to go do the Mario. That was uh, Ness McGee. Yes. That That was fabulous. I'm I'm very impressed. I was not expecting it to go as well as it did. 
No. Um, yeah, I thought we would, t- you know, uh, all get a hand on the ball and pass off, but I don't, I think that's it. No. I think that that's the. I got one. Okay. Oh. I've been listening to the besties for five years. Through its many ups and downs and hiatuses and weird twists of fate. And I am not into video game podcasts at all. This one, though, is great. It's the podcast that got me excited about playing video games again. That was good. There's more to the review, but you ran out of song. There's more to the song, baby. (laughs) Here we are. That was was from... uh, Halev, no, yes, uh, it was Katamari but it was from uh, Halevi798. Left that review, thank you. Can I, I'll do this one from Bancho78910. Cool. Um, this is the best video game on the podcast, on the internet. If you're not listening to the besties, <laughs> you should start. <laughs> That was one winged angel. Well done. Thanks. Yeah. You you cut a very important part of that review. Also, (laughs) you should sign my petition to bring back New York Giraffe. I think I want to make that was so fun. I want to make that a regular feature of the besties uh, where we'll sing a review. Yeah, I think that'll we'll come sing, back. Maybe not every week, week, but it's, it's... I'd love to get every week. We'll, <laughs> maybe Russ could get a hand on the ball next time. That'd be nice. Uh, anybody else been playing anything else? <laughs> Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about Death Stranding one more time. But Fuck I swear it's not... Fuck. I'm not talking about Death Stranding. I'm talking about a book. So even better for Russ Freshdick. So I finished Death Stranding. Again, everybody should be playing it. It's a perfect game for the moment. But right after it... I, I started listening to uh, Into Thin Air, the audiobook, and one, hey, Jack Krakauer, pretty good, you know? I think I think he's on to something. I think I think that guy's got talent, um, even though he's not going to write any books anymore. Um, but also... It's about, for what it's worth, you should tell people oh, yeah. what the book is. Thank you. It, it, it's about um, this uh, really terrible uh, botched climb of Everest in 1996, where uh, Krakauer was actually one of the people who climbed and reach the peak and the summit, and then uh, a number of people died tragically. It's very sad. Um, but it also spends a lot of time explaining how um, high-altitude climbing works and how you, like, why lines matter and why rope is so precious and how you how it's so important to actually collaborate with people. And the danger of Everest is that often the people who are climbing Everest are just rich people who don't know how to climb. And climbing, when done well, you need to all have kind of a bond. Um, and it it made me appreciate Death Stranding even more because there is a lot in the game that is pulling from real climbing and hiking. And mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate that, especially how um, how the game focuses on uh, storing your, your energy. That felt more like a mechanic to me. And actually understanding that people who climb mountains like this, it's like, if you're not using bottled oxygen, you get three or four steps, and then you literally need to sit down and rest. Um, that, I well, yeah, they're not, they're not using that. monster is the problem. They're just yeah, they need they, they need to piss in their monster bottle and um, <laughs> keep the great circle of life going. Is there a bit in the book about how to avoid ghost whales that <laughs> want to kill you and blow up the whole world? No, no, they they don't get to that part. Sadly. Okay. 
I did a little bit. I, I busted out the old uh, VR headset, uh, the Oculus Quest, mm, which I put on, and I was like, "Man, this looks shitty. What's going on?" And I realized that there was a film of dust <laughs> that had accumulated on the eye, the eye pieces that I then had to scrub <laughs> off, and it looked better after that. Uh, but I've been wanting to. I kind of fell off of Supernatural, which was was that what that game was called the yeah, workout game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed my time with that, but. Uh, much perf- Rainier and I were actually talking about that, Griffin. Oh, you miss seeing it. You seeing you out miss there. Miss seeing those big numbers I put up. Uh, Rainier and is Griffin and my favorite supernatural trainer, um, and we really missed having Griffin around. But I preferred uh, Beat Saber back when you could. It, it was very easy to put custom songs on Beat Saber. For those who don't know, Beat Saber uh, is the is the you know the VR rhythm game where you cut the blocks with the red and the blue saber to music and dodge around, and it's very very fun. Uh, but it's it's and this is their prerogative. I feel I guess maybe a little conflicted talking about this, but like it's very much a walled garden where it's it's um, uh, they release songs kind of wildly and frequently, and then even then it's like here is the Imagine Dragons pack, and it's like I don't fucking care about <laughs> that. Uh, so there's not like a ton of songs on there that I wanted to play, and they they released an update that kind of decimated the custom the ability to play custom songs on it but over the last i guess you know year or whatever since i've played it uh people have figured out how to sideload you know that that stuff back on and there's like a very huge active community of people making custom beat saber maps so um i've been getting back into that it's a it's a fun fun little workout and you know there's a lot of a lot of good jammers on there bubble pop hyuna is on there, Juice. Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a fun one. There's a, unsurprisingly, there's a great deal of K-pop. A lot of KDA in the mix, will, which is- I'm uh, not going to abandon Rainier. So I actually, it's weird. I got back into Supernatural. Oh, did uh, you really? Actually. Yeah, it's it's still very good. Um, I, uh, very briefly, wanted to mention There Is No Game. Um, uh, it's actually, the one I've been playing currently is There Is No Game Wrong Dimension by Draw Me a Pixel. Um, I, uh... It's one of a, like a, a a very cool subgenre of games that I have always loved, but have not like I, I don't know that there's a way of talking about these, but like meta games where the mechanics of whatever device you're playing it on is being explored. Um, there's one like uh, one called Progress to Ninety Nine on the iPhone um, that is very much about like. Uh, uh, using your phone to, um, like, for instance, you'll be playing a, a game that requires you to use your volume buttons to, like, move forward. Or, like, you have to make a call, and that using the call button will progress you forward in the game. That's a progress to 99 thing. There is no game is, uh, basically, you start, and there is a narrator telling you that there there isn't a game here. And there's nothing that you're going to play and here's the exit button and sorry about the confusion, but you can go ahead and hop out now. Uh, and if, as you continue to poke around, you discover like, Oh, wait a minute, this thing's loose. If I tap on this, Oh, this thing fell down and there's a key behind it to the locked door that the guy set up. He's like, Oh no, you're not supposed to find that. Okay. <laughs> never mind. And you open the door and help like friend. And it, well, like at one point he uh, makes a progress bar that is very clearly made out of paper that fills up halfway and then doesn't fill up anymore. And the narrator's like, well, that it seems to be glitched. I'm sorry, you're going to have to go. But if you tilt your phone 
to one angle, the progress bar continues to fill because it's fake. And then that challenge is passed. So you're like finding different ways of, uh, at one point there is a lock that does not work. And the way that you, um, you unlock the game, the, uh, if you pull off this little drawer, you'll see there's a gear missing in this sort of like lock device. Uh, and you go back into the menu and there's a little gear icon for settings and you can take that gear off and bring it back to that screen and use that gear to make the lock work. That kind of stuff where you're like constantly trying to outthink it. It sounds so um, charming. I it's like, so cool. It's so fun. Uh, it came out on iOS December 16th. Um, there is a, a sort of a precursor to this that's just called There Is No Game Jam Edition um, that you can find on iOS if you want to get sort of an idea um, uh, one of my favorite running gags in both of these games is there's a very early sort of like feint where you play a, a, a block breaker. And then after you're done, the narrator continues to reference that great block breaker he let you play. <laughs> and remember all the fun you had playing the block breaker and can't that be enough for you? Why does there have to be another game beyond that? I didn't make a game. I'm really, really sorry. Um, but the entire thing is built around, especially in the UI, is built around trying to get you to leave, trying to get you to quit the app, mm. trying to get you to do anything else. Um, Sounds it's like it's got fun. like a Stanley Parable vibe as well. Yeah, exactly. Stanley Parable, um, what was the, remember the sort of like, the, did you guys play that iOS game Games where it was like a mom? tree? What? The game Game by Mom? What was that called? Hidden My Game by Mom? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not, yeah, that's actually not a bad like comparison where it's sort of like using uh, uh, all the different like, permutations of this one um this one idea but it's uh it's it's really cool i i, I like it a lot it's called there is no game cool um mine real quick is uh down well on switch uh i picked it up on sale like a while ago and whenever i kind of run out of like bigger games to play it's like my total fallback game um it is a very hard but satisfying roguelike where you're constantly falling vertically down think we've talked about on the show previously it's yeah. it's really just spectacularly made and i had initially played it on iphone and managed to like do really well despite playing it on a on a touch screen but being able to play it with controls on switch is delightful and uh really strongly recommended if you're into like hard roguelikes that don't require like a huge investment i feel like a lot of roguelikes the run could last like 45 yeah. minutes but in downwell each run is at most like 10 minutes um, it's really all consuming. Like I, yeah. the, the runs are short, but that is like that is my downwell. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I was in that game, I was in that game. Um, I want to share a few uh, early access recommendations from our listeners really quick before we wrap, just because we we had some good recommendations here. Um, Holly and, and a number of folks recommended Ooblets, uh, which is kind oh, yeah. of a farm. Animal Crossing Pokemon S game. Uh, Daniel, similarly to Freshick, recommended Teardown. Uh, a bunch of people recommended Everspace 2. There's some games that I hadn't heard of. Um, Carson recommended Vault of the Void and says hmm. it's like a more complex version of Slay the Spire and was made by only one person, which seems like a Justin game. Uh, Scott, in an act of. What's it called? Vault of the Void. Vault of the Void. Uh, Scott, title too. Uh, pure cruelty here. Uh, said, uh, does Neptune's Pride 3 by Iron Helmet Games count? 
Uh, for folks who haven't played uh, Neptune's Pride, it is a game designed to ruin friendships. I, I <laughs> cool. recommend it. Huh. Cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, Zachary uh, recommended Caves of Cud? Quad? It's Q-U-D. One of the deepest games I've played, and I feel like it gets bigger, cooler every time I open it, thanks to regular dev updates. Oh, sorry, one more. Josh recommended Dyson Sphere Program, um, which is kind of a factory game. I don't know if you've all seen this, but it is like blowing up right now. And I have a feeling it will be one of those games that we circle back to at some point later in the year as it becomes more fleshed out. Yeah, it's Um, been on the top of Steam charts for like... The last few weeks, it's crazy. Yes. So thank you all uh, for sharing those. We will check some of those out uh, in soonish, hopefully. C- Caves of Cut is like a, and I may not be pronouncing that right either, but I, I remember seeing stuff about it. It, it kind of looks dwarf fortressy, mm. kind of uh, like ASCII, uh, Ultima, top-down, like lo-fi RPG, um, but it's also got some some roguelike elements. Um, I've been I've been wanting to check it out. It looks Griffin. Cool. Have you tried hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades? We have Jack and Jake recommended Oh, God, a long time ago. Is that still in early access? Uh, I guess so, but uh, a few people recommended that as, like, the thing that we need to try out in VR. Yeah, it kind of put me off a little bit just because uh, I don't really dig, like, uh, gun sims, which I feel like it kind of was being a little bit. That was, like, one of the first games I remember where people were like, it really feels like you're reloading an automatic weapon and it's like okay that's that's not what i go to vr for but I'll, i but there is some there is uh i from what i understand it has only gotten zanier from there so that's good um this of the voids looking good guys <laughs> all right this is looking like some might be on my alley all right um wow i, I hey, can't believe we did it what are we doing next week so next week we're going to be doing little nightmares 2 which is a scary game all right. With little creatures that jump out stuff. at you and scare you. Um, I wish you'd just consult me before you make these unilateral decisions. I mean, it's in, it's in the production schedule. It is in the production yeah, but schedule. who's looking at that? <laughs> Nobody's looking uh, at that. Come Super on. Super Mario 3D World is the following Switch week. edition comes out next Friday, but we're not going to be able to get uh, all, all of us get our hands on that before. So that'll yeah, be the week we'll, after. We'll, we'll do that the following week for sure. I'm very excited. Take us home, Juice. All right. He's playing Vault of the Void right now. Like, he's actively <laughs> I'm playing into it. it. I'm got, I got a bunch of mana, yes. I bet. Uh, uh, that is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening. Please leave your reviews so we can sing them, because uh, that's a thing <laughs> we're doing now. It's a, a treasured, treasured bit on the besties. Um, uh, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. We have a Twitter account, at the Besties Pod. There's a link there to join our mailing list. Um, it would really help if you would uh, tell people to check the show out and give it a listen and subscribe and all that good stuff. We, we Now that we're independent artists, we need you now more than ever. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to join us again next week for the besties, because shouldn't the world's best friends make the world's best games? Steve.